0: Well, welcome. We are glad you're here. I'm Pastor Molly, and I'm glad to welcome you today. If you would take a moment and let us know that you're joining us, if you're in the room, there's a notebook there in the pew for you to sign in. If you are joining us online and you're on Facebook, if you would leave a comment to say hello, I have a special guest sharing the message today during our sermon time. Um, my husband, Ben Simpson, will be sharing the message. Ben is um, he is a Pastor and teacher, he is a on seminary staff at Truett Seminary at Baylor University, and is ordained in the Baptist tradition. He has been teaching for a number of years. He teaches in spiritual formation, and he is a spiritual director and involved in that ministry. So, he's coming and sharing the word today. I've been in class this last week, and um, Ben will be sharing our message a little bit later in service. Well, good morning. Now, this is the very first Sunday that I've ever had the opportunity to preach at First Methodist Colleen, and as I said to the people at 8 and at 9.30, it may also be my last Sunday to ever preach at First Methodist Colleen. Uh, um, you know, I also told the people at 8 and 9.30 that, you know, I was going to offer the sermon, but I could still get cut before 11, so uh, I'm here still, uh, so I'm going to saddle up and ride one more time. And uh, before service began, Molly was down here talking, and I overheard Wyatt say to her that he had a hymnal on hand, even though he thought I was just out of range, that if I say the wrong thing, he could always fire. And that's why I'm behind the lectern, is just in case, for the added protection. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just glad he has a hymnal and not a pew Bible. That's, I'm thankful for that. Uh, a few weeks ago, Molly asked me if I could Preach on this weekend, and of course I said yes, I mean, I I, I could. Uh, and then she asked me if I would preach while she was in seminar seminar at Truett, and I said, well, yeah, of course, but you really don't sound like you want me to. <laughs> and she said, well, I'm just afraid of what you might say. Um, last Sunday, uh, I, I've been teaching a Sunday school class uh, here at 11, I did that for four weeks, and it was our last week together. And uh, I shared with the class that I'd be preaching this weekend, and and, and Fred Jones, who some of y'all might know, he's, he was part of that class, and, you know, when Fred first told me his name, he assured me immediately that it was his real name, and I confess to you, when he said his name to me out loud, I thought, Witness Protection Program, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what I thought, you know. Uh, when Fred heard I was going to be preaching, he said, uh, is that legal? <laughs> And I said, you know, legal, yes, but prudent or wise or a good decision, I mean, we're, we're about to see. So, um, our scripture reading for this morning uh, came from Psalm 1. And if you have a Bible or you want to reach out and grab the P Bible, you can turn and open it because all we're going to do is just walk through those six verses uh, together. And you may have noticed in the reading of that psalm that this psalm contains a promise. And the promise is this that the blessed person who delights in God and meditates on God's commands day and night prospers in all they do, and that's a tremendous claim, okay, and it's one that I want us to meditate on this morning. Human beings, all of us here in this room, we want to flourish, we want to prosper, In his book, Knowing God Today, Dallas Willard, he wrote this. He said there are four questions every human being must answer. The first is this, what is reality? The second, who is well off or blessed? The third, who is a truly good person? And the fourth, how does one become a truly good person? Now, all four of these questions are addressed by Psalm 1, and the two ways that we read about described therein. Psalm 1 tells us something about reality. Something about the blessed person, something about the person who is good, and it tells us how we might become a good person. And the answers we're given point us toward what a prosperous or a flourishing life looks like. So let's consider together, what does it mean to prosper? That's our question. Let's think on this psalm, and let's follow the argument that's there. First, let's consider what prosperity is not, then let's look at what it is. Third, let's consider what's at stake. And then fourthly, let's think about how we come to prosperity, how we have a prosperous life. So number one, what prosperity is not, what it's not. Psalm 1 begins with a description of the happy or blessed person. The first word that is found in Psalm 1-1 is the Hebrew term asher, which is translated happiness or blessedness. This term here, as it's used, is considered an intensive exclamation. So think, oh, happy, or oh, blessed. And then we're immediately told what the happy or blessed person is not. Is not. When we read the scriptures, it's not only important for us to observe examples to follow. It's also important for us to note the examples that we should avoid. Now, when I was in college at Baylor, I made an acquaintance with a gentleman who, he worked as a professor, and we went to lunch one day at a local Mexican food restaurant. A few of my friends, they came along, they were there too, and the conversation turned to our role models or people we looked up to, and uh, this professor friend of mine, he shared the top five influences on his life. Now, four of the individuals that he named to him were admirable, were people that he looked up to. And one of those four was a retired professor that I knew and who I shared affection for, so we shared at least one common hero. But the example that stood out most to me and to my friends uh, was somebody famous. Uh, It was a person I knew because of their place in the public eye. They were a professional athlete who had a great deal of success in their sport, and we asked this professor well why him and he said well while he was an outstanding athlete i knew him personally i grew up around him and he was not very kind to people when i was around him and so his was an example to avoid now a wise person knows what to stay away from as well as what to pursue in psalm 1:1 we're told that the blessed or happy person does not follow the advice of the wicked. They do not walk in the path of the wayward, those who sin, and they do not scoff. Now, these are distinctions made in this passage and elsewhere in Scripture between the righteous person and the wicked person, the saint and the sinner. The scoffer, the person who belittles, derides, and mocks, the Hebrew word, root for that word there is to scorn. And then on the other hand, the respectful, honorable, encouraging, An edifying person and for time's sake we don't have time really today to expand on all these distinctions but we can see that the bible does commend to us one kind of person over another we should seek god's help in avoiding evil foolishness and harm now when we slip up we should turn we don't want to go that way that's not the way of prosperity but becoming wise means we learn how to recognize goodness and wickedness and to be able to distinguish between the two the foolish the wicked the scornful they are not blessed or happy they don't flourish so who is blessed who is happy who prospers now the psalmist helps us here psalm 1 2 tells us that the blessed or happy person delights in god's commands They meditate on those commands. The blessed or happy person seeks what is true. They build their life on truth. They establish their life in ultimate things, in eternal things, in the things of God. And I want us all together to pay attention to these two imperatives. First, the psalmist says that the blessed person delights in God's commandments. So I ask you, do you? Do you delight in God's commandments? What do you delight in? The Hebrew word here, hafetz, has range. The term is rendered in various English translations as longing, desire, as precious and pleasurable. Now think about what you delight in. You delight in something. You might delight in the affection of another person. You might delight and take pleasure in a good movie or a beautiful work of art. You might be captured by music. You might delight in making money or receiving the approval of a particular person. Some things are good to delight in. Some things, they might lead us astray. The important question is, what is the ultimate thing? That we're delighting in you might enjoy sport or craft or collecting stamps or if any of y'all had kids or grandkids or like me a nine-year-old son you might delight in collecting pokemon cards i just bet you have something that you delight in but do you delight in god's commands do you dwell on god and god's character and god's will to meditate on something goes beyond thinking or just receiving information. Meditation involves rumination. Think of a cow chewing its cud. There's an intensity of focus there and a diligence there. The reformer Martin Luther, he wrote these words. He said, Meditating is an exclusive trait of human beings. For even beasts appear to fancy and to think. Therefore, the ability to meditate belongs to reason. There is a difference between meditating and thinking. To meditate is to think carefully, deeply, and diligently, and properly it means to muse in the heart. Hence, to meditate is, as it were, to stir up in the inside or to be moved in the innermost self. Therefore, one who thinks inwardly and diligently, asks, discusses, etc., such a person meditates, but one does not meditate on the law of the Lord unless one's delight was first fixed in it. For what we want in love, on that we reflect inwardly and diligently. But what we hate or despise, we pass over lightly and do not desire deeply, diligently or for long. Therefore, let delight be first, sin into the heart as the root. And then meditation will come of its own accord. In Psalm 1 verse 3, the prosperous person is said to be like a tree planted by streams of water which yields fruit in due season. Their leaves do not wither. They stand tall and strong and are sturdy at the base. They are nourished not only for their own benefit but to the benefit of others. And a healthy tree also testifies that the conditions are right for life. A fruit-bearing tree provides nourishment for others. If you've ever gleaned pecans or picked a ripe peach, you know this to be true. If you are drawing your life from God, you'll produce fruit that is in keeping with good works, with righteousness. In fact, that is God's intent for those in Christ. In John 15, Jesus says this. He compares himself to a vine and his closest friends and followers, his disciples, to branches. And in John 15:8, he tells them, "This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." A tree that grows tall and puts forth leaves also provides shelter and shade, protection from the sun and the storm. A grove of trees can become a gathering place. How many of y'all know of a congregation or a fellowship called Willow Grove or Tall Oaks? Who seeks shelter, I ask you, in your shade? Who comes to you when they need comfort or relief? Now, the prosperous life is a providing life. It's a life that benefits the community. And where, just notice this, here in this psalm does our strength come from to grow up? It comes from the Lord, from the things of God. The prosperous person is not necessarily the wealthy person, the famous person, or the person of high status. Rather, the prosperous person is the one who is planted by God's life-giving stream. Their deeds, their words, their actions are of God. So the prosperous life, the blessed life, The happy life, it's not a life of foolishness, sin, or scorn. The happy life, the blessed life, the prosperous life, is a life of delighting, meditating, and yielding fruit in season. But why should we pursue one over the other? Okay, what's at stake? Psalm 1, 4, and 5 sharpens the contrast for us, and it clarifies the preferable, the better path. If the prosperous person is like a tree bringing forth fruit in season, the wicked person is like shafts scattered by the wind. When God weighs and measures our lives, the righteous person will be planted like a tree, tall and strong, but the wicked they will not stand. Sinners will not find themselves with the company of those who live a righteous or a prosperous life. Instead, they'll perish. Life, flourishing, fruit-bearing, nourishment, all these things are for the person who delights in God. The Lord will watch over the way of the righteous, Psalm 1-6 tells us. For those who delight in other things, those who meditate and think on matters other than God and God's way, those choosing another path, there is harm and suffering and even death. Now, just this week, Molly and I, we were on a walk, and we talked together about the degree to which people are equipped to share their faith. Now, some feel they don't know how to share their faith. They don't know enough. They don't have the answers. They aren't clear on the teachings and doctrines of Christianity. They're afraid of how others might regard them if they reveal they are a person of faith or they worry that they'll mess it up and say the wrong thing. But the fact of the matter is this, my friends, is that we all share our faith all of the time. Our lives reveal our deepest convictions. Opportunities are before us every day. Either we're like chaff or we're like a tree. It's not just our lives that are at stake when we think about the path we choose. It's the lives of those around us, our family, our loved ones, our fellow congregants, our community, and our world. Now, we should want to be like the person who delights in God and God's commands, not only for our sake but for those in our orbit. Not only for our glory, but for God's glory. And so that raises the question for us this morning, today. How do we have it? How do we become a blessed or happy person? How do we prosper in all that we do? How do we come to delight in the Lord and to meditate on the things of God so that we yield fruit and season? Now for those of us in this room who call ourselves Christians, who have followed Jesus for many years, we need to remind ourselves today what, or better yet, who we're called to delight in. And for those of us here today that may not be Christians, who may be new to the idea of faith, or those who maybe even have attended church for many years but have yet to see and trust in God's grace, we may need to see what we should delight in for the very first time and be changed. In Psalm 1, we are told of the blessed person, the happy person, the prosperous person. This person isn't a fool. They avoid sin. They don't scoff. They delight in God and meditate on God's commands. They root themselves in God's very life, and they bear fruit. And in everything they do, they prosper. We here, we could all aspire to be that kind of person. We could all say that we'll go forth from here and try really hard to be that kind of person but if we're honest I think we know that we won't get it right we'll fail we'll stumble and if Psalm 1 is only for us a moral prescription then well we're all in trouble but I'm here to tell you that thankfully that's not all this text is because you see in Luke 24 at the end of Luke's gospel Uh, Jesus, he's been raised from the dead and he appears to these two disciples who are on their way to Emmaus. And Jesus tells them many marvelous, wonderful things. But one of the things that he says to these two disciples is that in his life, death, and resurrection, all of the scriptures were fulfilled. That the Old Testament writings pointed towards him. And if you've paid attention when you read the Gospels, or you read the Epistles, when you read the New Testament, and still the writers are always trying to figure out, how did the story we were given in the New Testament point their way to Jesus? How is he fulfilled at all? And so that's what they did, and we can do the very same thing. So let's think about Psalm 1. Jesus, he was and he is the blessed person. He does not follow the advice of the wicked, nor walk in the path of sinners, nor take the place of the scoffer. He was delighted to do His Father's will. He meditated on God's commands, and He kept them perfectly. He bore good fruit. That much is undeniable. We're still here today. But not only did He stand tall like a tree planted by a stream... Not only did he do that, he was planted on a tree. The tree of our redemption. He was crucified. He was nailed to a cross as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He was scorned and mocked by the wicked, the sinners, and the foolish. He not only kept God's commands, but he paid the due penalty for breaking God's commands. And he did so for us. And friends, let me say, that is something to delight in. Why do we delight in the Lord? Why do we meditate on God's commands and God's wondrous works? Why do we live a life of obedience? Why do we seek the way of righteousness? It's not to make ourselves acceptable to God. That's beyond our power. That is not something that we can do. No. Jesus is our reason to delight in God. I mean, just look at him. In and through Christ, we have been made acceptable to God. Our sins are forgiven. Through faith, we receive living water. We're not just planted by the stream, but the stream wells up in us. In Christ, we have life. We have abundant life. We prosper, not in the sense that we have wealth, Or status or worldly influence, which is interesting to think in those things, because if you're a child in God's kingdom, you have wealth and you have status and you have access to the Father. You have influence beyond anything that this world could ever offer. The thing that we have is we have Him, we behold the beauty of God. Of Christ. We delight in Him, and He is everything that we need. Everything else that we have come our way in this life is just a bonus. All the good things that we receive, they're just gravy. They're gifts given to us to be gratefully received and then used in God's service for God's glory. So you're here, you want to be prosperous, you want to thrive, you want to flourish. Trust in Jesus. Rest in his righteousness alone. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Just meditate and think on him. Sink the roots of your life just deep, deep down into his living water. And then let him bring forth good things in you. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for today. Every day from you is a gift. And, Lord, we rise once again at the beginning of this new week, and we simply offer ourselves and say, Lord, do with us as you will. We are only servants in your courts. We delight to be in your presence. And thank you for Jesus, by whose grace we now come and stand in your presence. Lord, I pray for us here. I pray for each person that they might hear your call to be the blessed person, to be the happy person, to be the person who flourishes, to delight in you, to meditate on your commands, and to bring forth good fruit. Lord, give us the gift of faith, strengthen our faith, and help us to be faithful witnesses to the good news of the gospel. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.